Welcome in to 2 for 1 Drafts. Austin Gale here with Mike Renner, ready to talk more 2021 NFL Draft. We've done 2020. It's over with. We're going to talk rookies all season long, but we're also going to be looking at the 2021 NFL Draft class every week, highlighting the best performances, worst performances, etc. Right now, I just want to go over some guys that you know, guys to watch early on in the season that we see as kind of draftable players or or high-end draftable players in the 2021 class. And we did offense on Monday, kicking to defense. Mike, are you ready to rock? Yes, sir. All right. Let's start with defensive interior. And one of my favorites in this class actually is Marvin Wilson of Florida State, the big six foot five, 310 plus pound monster that actually outperformed Derrick Brown in overall grade and pass rushing grade this past year. And honestly, I think had better pass rushing tape. I, I had this take in a Slack chat yesterday and I'm not willing to hundred percent get behind it, but like a lot of what you see in Marvin Wilson is what people want to see from Derek Brown in terms of winning early at the line of scrimmage, winning as a pass rusher consistently. Like, I think this is the big defensive interior you want. If you actually, you know, you covet the, you know, defensive interiors at that size. Yeah. So they're very similarly skilled in terms of what they bring to the table. That's just massive dudes. Like, anchors along your defensive line, the run defense aspect, that's second nature. Like they're going to be able to stuff the run and hold their own in that regard. And I don't think either are great athletes. Obviously Derek Brown, we got his athletic testing. I don't foresee Marvin Wilson blowing up the combine by any means. I don't think he's going to be a special athlete, but I think he already uses his hands as a pass rusher a lot better. And at a younger age, like he had a 90.9 pass rushing grade as a junior this past season. That was, you know, Derek Brown was in like the mid eighties as a junior, mm-hmm. didn't get over 90 until his senior year. And we saw it from Marvin Wilson, even as a sophomore, 81.3 pass rushing grade that year. So yeah, I'm a big fan of this guy. I, I think he's, again, I'm not sure he's going to be, he might be the guy that the analytics are pushing back on to being like, don't draft this guy top 10 or whatever. And, and that's fine. I, I, he might, he might not have that high end pass rushing sort of skill set, but I think he's just a very talented defensive tackle nonetheless yeah i mean and i'd argue a better pass rusher than Derek brown and you look at you know 90.9 pass rushing grade with only 26 total pressures this past year a reason that is so you know heavy or so high with low pressure count is because he wins early and wins emphatically in terms of you know beating the man in front of him at a high rate so um, well, he also I'm, got hurt and then didn't he broke his wrist, I believe. And so yes. he only played eight games or something last year. But still, though, I mean, in 2018, 305 pass rushing snaps, 2019, yeah. 291. It wasn't necessarily a small sample size. Still got hurt, though, Didn't wasn't able to finish the season. All right, another defensive tackle to bring up is Christian Barmore, the Alabama defensive tackle, the next in line of these Dude, guys that come out of Alabama and just, just wreck college football. Yeah, I mean, he's going to be the guy who's like, where did he come from next year? And Alabama, two, yeah, it's like they, they just stock them 200. You only played 269 snaps last year, but he earned an 87.8 grade as I believe a redshirt sophomore, a redshirt freshman, excuse me. Uh, he started, he started from them down the stretch, played, uh, actually started got, getting playing time the last four games of the season. And he produced 11 pressures over the last four games. He's, uh, yeah, he's legit. This guy, six, five, three, 10. Like he's, uh, you can pencil that guy into the first round right now. Man, he was as, as a prospect, as a recruit, he was six foot five, 290 pounds. <laughs> this guy was a make him differently, man. They make him dude. differently down there. Dude, he's from actually Philadelphia. He's from Philadelphia and was uh, considered a four star recruit coming out. Six foot five, 290 pounds at 18 years old. That is absurd. Like that guy's a legit 
monster. He's going to, you know, put, put, put himself on the map this year. All right. Tyler, Tyler Shelvin of LSU. I remember watching a ton of LSU tape this past year for the 2020 class. And this was a guy that came up a lot was making plays. He is a horse in the middle. It's a six, three, three forty six. He's listed at. Oh my God. <laughs> he, he, he struggles. Uh, I mean, in the past game, he is not your pass. Rushing prototype. He had six pressures last year. Six pressures on 317 pass rushing snaps and a 63.5 pass rushing grade is honestly absurd. Like, that is not good. But regardless, what he does well, obviously, you're going to get into is a run defense. Run game. He is a run stuffer, 88.3 grade as a true sophomore. That's legit. And it was playing like real snaps there for LSU's defense. So uh, if you're like, he is your prototypical nose tackle. Like, he is your old school nose tackle where that gets valued. We're obviously going to be lower on it probably than the NFL ends up drafting this guy, but he looks pretty damn safe in that regard. All right. Jumping to Washington's Levi on He was a guy that you kind of liked if he came out in 2020 could have been, you know, one of the better player, one of the better defensive tackles in this class. However, after earning a 90.8 overall grade on fewer than 400 snaps in 2018, took a bit of a step down, both from an overall grade perspective and a pass rushing grade perspective in 2019, decided to come back to school. Do you see him getting better back on that 2018 track or even beyond that in 2020? Yeah, he needs to, because in terms of athleticism, he's more athletic, I think, than any of the guys we've mentioned above here. Marvin Wilson, Shelvin, obviously, and then Barmore. Like, Anuzurike can move. This, this guy can get off the ball. He has some agility to his game, but he's just still so raw as a pass rusher and in run defense. It's like you see it for one rep, and then you don't see it for the rest of the game. So he just needs, and that, that's why he came back to school. It was because he needs to, that was his first year. It was really a full-time star last year. Didn't produce at the same rate. He just needs to clean some things up and get back there. But he could push his way into the first round if he does. All right, Malik Herring, the Georgia defensive end, plays edge rusher. But at Georgia, these edge rushers that like are built to play the run, like I remember talking to, I always forget his name, but it's a Georgia defensive end that was kind of covered, I think, in the 2019 draft. And you talked, they, they play run defense in practice all day long. And this guy, stout along the edge, his grade has improved every year of his career at Georgia, probably kicks inside at the next level. Yeah, so he reminds me a lot of, God, why am I blanking on the name? The Auburn guy, just Marlon Davidson. In terms yeah. of that's kind of the role he plays there and that he's six three two eighty. He should not be playing like and he's not the athlete to get by on the edge at six three two eighty. Like he should be feasibly playing inside more than he does, but he's still gets by. He's still at eighty five point eight pass rushing grade despite, you know, playing uh what I would call out of position. So I think he needs to bulk up and get on the interior at the next level. But he uses, and again, he uses hands really well. It doesn't have like high athleticism. Davidson didn't really either, but I think he just uses hands really well. Is really sound in a number of different facets of the game. So I think he could, if with a big year, again, another guy could push him his way up some draft boards. All righty. Last guy on the defensive interior, Jalen Tyman. Tweeman? I don't know. Twyman? Twyman? I don't, I haven't, I haven't watched any of this guy. The Pittsburgh defensive tackle. Talk to me about him. So he's a little undersized, quicker guy. I don't see it, though. So he's on the radar for everyone because he had 11 sacks last year. And if 11 sacks in the interior, you're going to be, I mean, Aaron Donald. Everyone's going to be, oh, it's Aaron Donald. And I don't see that. I don't think he's Aaron Donald by any means. He only had a 71.3 pass rushing grade. Like his snap-to-snap consistency is not there. His, he beat up Duke and Delaware, or like his highest graded games. And that's kind of who he is. It's not, it just, I, I didn't see the... I just didn't see it. Like, I, I think the, the quickness and athleticism is there for a defensive interior player, 
but I don't think he uses his hands terribly well. And I didn't see, and he's not like super high end athlete where you'd call him like a project that can figure it out. So I just, I, I'm, I'm lower on Twyman. Some people have him kind of like in that first, second round conversation. I don't see that at all right now. Interesting. All right, let's get to edge defender. Let's talk about this, this dude from Miami, Florida. I mean, yes. what is this guy? Six foot six, 260 pounds. He played over 65 snaps at nose tackle last year and was actually very productive. Also played on the edge. Like this guy doesn't even look human compared to some of the other defenders on Miami's team. Like he is just built differently for the position. I mean, not, he doesn't remind me of Clowney, but like from a freak standpoint, he just looks absurd playing for Miami. Yeah, so I think he came into Miami as like a wide receiver recruit, switched to defensive side of the ball, or maybe it was safety. He did not come as a defensive end, so he's redshirted his freshman year. Comes on 16 sacks this past year. And while like he's still a work in progress, he got 16 sacks because when he puts it all together, when like he it hits, it's dominant, and it looks ridiculous. And he's just got the ideal build for an edge defender in the NFL. It's almost like I said, it's like an ideal build but then you just went like a little more, you know, how like, so like chase young has this ideal frame for edge defender. It's like, you took chase young and just like supersized him and, and like made it even more ridiculous. That's Greg Russo. Uh, still, I'm, I'm just excited to see what he does this year because I think there's just so much sort of like raw physical tools there that if he can put it together, it could be like really, you know, special. Yeah. I mean, you watched the game against central Michigan was the one that I watched a lot of because it was one of his highest graded pass rushing games. And, and like, he just dominates, he dominates at nose tackle dominates along the edge, like just blowing up guys with like little to no like moves per se, but like yeah. it, you know, it's, it, it's, it's something it's reckless and awesome at the same time. I, I think potential is definitely there. I think he could have a, a stupid year in 2020, depending on how he's used and how much he develops from a tool, like a pass rush move standpoint or right, Xavier Thomas of Clemson. Mm-hmm. This is another guy that people really, really like in this 2021 class. Yeah. He kind of suffered from the scheme change last year or like how they, how they switched up at Clemson in terms of defensively what they did. He did not get the freedom he had to attack as a pass rusher back in 2018 when he had an 84.2 pass rushing grade as a true freshman, which is like one of the highest we've seen from a true freshman ever 26 pressures. And then last year, if you'll you know, recall the three one seven or whatever, you get a lot of just, you have to contain rush. And if you're contained rushing, you're not going to be nearly as effective as kind of they were before when they had that four headed monster where they're just like, everyone go do whatever you want to get to the quarterback sort of thing. So only 26 pressures last year on almost a hundred more pass rushing snaps than what he had in 2018 when he also had 26 pressures. But I think the talent's there. I just, I need to get, I need to see him, you know, ready to roll again. I need, I need, they need to let him loose this year. I think they will with their personnel and what they have now. Let him pin his ears back and, and ride it up. All right, Car- Carlos Basham, the, the Wake Forest defensive end. This is a guy that we liked if he did enter the 2020 class as one of the better edge defenders in that group. He returns to school. He's he's another one of those guys that you just see that reckless play from him where you, if he if he just, you know, some polish, some maturity to his game, he could be really productive in the NFL. That's the thing. So he 52 pressures back in 2018, not 60 pressures in 2019. He's 6'5", 275. Like this guy... He and he's got me, some juice. Like he does. Yeah, that's it. He's six five, pretty well. Two seventy five, and very explosive. He reminds me a lot of Marcus Davenport coming out, where it's like you, you don't need when you are that when you are that big and that explosive. You don't need a lot of pass rush moves. You just need to perfect a bull rush and maybe like a a couple of like counters off of that to like get yourself free. Yep. And I think we've kind of seen Basham start to develop those 
and start to like realize that, Hey, I'm just this, I'm more powerful than the guys I'm going up against. I can just go through any guy. So we had two games last year, Syracuse game, Florida state game, where he had double digit pressures, 10 pressures, <laughs> in both those games where he's like, Oh shit. I realize I'm just like a freak that I can just, I don't have to get cute with it. I can just bully these guys. And so, uh, I think he would have gone probably second round had he declared last year, um, comes back to school. I think if he really, you know, perfects that sort of bull rush, kind of like, Mark Stavenport's last year at, he just was utterly dominant at, what was it, UTEP? Um, I, I think you could see a similar, or was it UTSA? God damn, I never remember this. Um, you could see a similar sort of rise of draft boards to the first round for Basham. Man, putting it together for like 10 pressure games against Florida State and Syracuse is absurd. Like his grade has improved every year of his career. He's played over 1,800 defensive snaps at Wake Forest, and his pass rushing grade has improved every year as well. Like I think he has a real opportunity to, you know, of these guys that need to develop if he develops and, and improves on his grade this past year. Like I think he he'll be coveted as one of the better edge defenders in this class. Um, moving forward, Quincy Roche, the, the Miami, Florida um, edge defender t- transferred from temple were a single digit number at temple. So, you know, he's temple he tough, um, but uh, he's another, I thought he played very well against the run. In addition to rushing the passer, he's, he's another guy in this class that, that should, uh, should draw some interest. He just needs to get bigger. He's six four two thirty five, And like, and he was already, I believe, a redshirt junior last year. And so this is his final. He's going to be a redshirt senior after grad transferring to Miami. And he was kind of in that Curtis Weaver level of just like no one blocked him. Like no one yeah. blocked him ever. He had two and, 10 pressure games as well. <laughs> yeah. But he, a little bit different level of competition that he's going up against. He had the highest. Uh, I think he had the most pressures in second most pressures in the FBS. 68 pressures last year. 13 sacks. 13 hits. But. He just needs it's there was no power to his game is the problem. And that's what you worry about with those guys who are undersized at 235 translating to the NFL. You can't just get by in quicks and, you know, that sort of thing. Once you get to the pros, you got to have multiple ways to win or if you're not winning with uh, power. So I do worry about that. I just think at his size, though, 6'4", he should be able to put on like 10, 15 more pounds. I would hope that's like the biggest thing I just need to see from him at Miami. All right, Jacob. Panasuic. But how about that Miami D line? Is what like that? Yes, yes. Be... Quincy Roche, Gregory Rousseau, Greg Gregory Rousseau. I think it's going to be it's going to be awesome. And Quincy Roche could be better than Rousseau from a production standpoint because I feel like he's already had yeah. to win with technique. Like he's had to win, and, and he's done so at a high level. All right, Jacob Panasuic of Michigan State, and he spells Jacob with a U, not an O. Oh. That I feel like is a bit of a red flag. Yeah, so yeah it... it could be Jacob. I don't know. But he, he, he earned a very high pass rushing grade this past year, 90.0 with 30, uh, 38 total pressures across 319 pass rushing snaps. I didn't watch a lot of him. I didn't really notice him opposite of Kenny Willekes last year. W- w- what are your thoughts on him? Yeah, he's not particularly athletic. This is a guy who, I mean, he came out of nowhere also. 60.5 pass rushing grade in 2018, 90.0 this past year. Like the massive, massive leap. Not very athletic, but he uses his hands really well. And it's pretty stout. I don't know. He's a guy who's just like, when you're not athletic, we need to see it from you a lot to get on board with you as being a legit prospect at the edge. So he just needs to basically do it again to, to prove he's a real prospect at this point. All right. Three more guys in the highlight of these three, you know, who, who are your favorites here? You got Jason Owe of Penn state. And then the two Michigan guys, Aiden Hutchinson and Quiddy pay. Yeah. So the Michigan guys are interesting. Hutchinson gave, Tristan Wirth's probably the most fits I've seen of anybody 
in uh, all last year. I think he beat him twice with inside moves last year. So he's, uh, I think he's a true junior also, a young guy. Owe is a physical freak. He made Bruce Feldman's freaks list, in fact, before last season. Uh, super fast. He's kind of in that Gregory Russo mold where it's like, I like when it looks good, it looks great, but it's just so infrequently. But he yeah. did almost have the exact same pass rushing grade as Etor Grossmatos last year. And so that's encouraging, at least, that he was grading out somewhat well. Uh, and he's only going to be a true junior. And then Pay, uh, he's a bigger. Hutchison and Pay are both bigger dudes, like the guys who have been producing at Michigan in recent years. And, you know, uh, Uchi and uh, Winovich are both on the small end. Those guys are both bigger power ends. And Pay has some nice reps against some top tackles, too. I think he beat uh, Jedek Wills a couple times, actually, in their bowl game. Yeah, well, it's impressive about Quiddy Pay, too. I was like, you saw some some dominant reps against good op- good competition. And I went back and thought, like, this is a classic Michigan five-star type of recruit. But he's only a three-star recruit, a guy that didn't have, like, significant interest coming out from a star standpoint. I'm interested to see how he develops along that Michigan defensive line. Because, like, you see it on his tape, like, oh, man, this guy, this guy can be a stud. And I mm-hmm. thought maybe he had a bigger, you know, better athletic background or whatever it may be. Um, moving to off-ball linebackers, starting with Penn State's Micah Parsons. The, the, the most dominant game he had this past year was in the bowl game against Memphis. And I think he was in the right place in the right time, a lot of that. But also, like, you just see that ability and coverage, that athletic ability and coverage where you're confident, like, he that will translate to the next level and him playing off ball in, like, today's NFL. Yeah, so all the things that people worry about Isaiah Simmons with, where it's like, can he make run reads between the tackles? Can he take on blocks? Whatever. Parsons is elite at those. Like he's almost the opposite of Isaiah Simmons that they don't use him in a versatile role there, but they use him in a traditional linebacker role. And he just like owns at all those things. He had a 94.8 run defense grade last year. That's the highest we've ever given to a linebacker. And else is a true sophomore. He's, he's probably gonna be a top 10 pick this guy. Like he's just fucking legit. Like he's just very good at all the things you need to be. And he's a freak athlete as well. So uh, I'm a big fan of this game. Um, Dylan Moses and dude, this guy's background. I remember writing it for the preseason draft guide last year because he got hurt all of 2019 and decided to go back to school. I thought there was a chance or we thought there was a chance he'd enter the 2020 NFL draft, former five-star recruit that was offered by Nick Saban after working out at an LSU camp, I believe in eighth grade, he was 14 years old when Nick Saban gave him an offer to Alabama and then reading into like what his dad had him do. Let me pull up this tweet here. It, it is absurd what he was asking his kid to do at nine years old. We'd wake up at six and get started. 400 pushups, 800 sit-ups, 10 minutes of jumping rope, and one mile run. After 90 minutes, we go back home, shower, catch the bus to school, elementary school. Soon as school is over, and if he didn't have track practice, back on the bus, go home. Dad was waiting for him, and they'd go back up to the field to train some more. Three days in the summer, 6 a.m. to 5 p.m., nine years old. This guy was in a factory, like a legit factory, ran a 4.46 at an LSU football camp in 2012 at 14 years old. Jesus. I, it, it's rare. Like this guy is ra- as rare as it gets from an athletic background standpoint and like overall just like training standpoint. That's such a classic, like these guys are built differently sort yes, of thing. Just, literally. <laughs> I, I don't. I, I don't even recall like working out on my own until I was an adult. You know, Dude, I, if I worked out pushups, 400 pushups, 800 <laughs> sit-ups. And then like after 90 minutes or so, like, dude, I couldn't do 400 pushups in 90 minutes. No way. 
Yeah. It's a lot. Like for, and, and he was doing it at nine years old. I'm like blown away by reading. And this was in the Players Tribune. It wasn't like some like off ball blog or anything. Like this was like legit. Like I, yeah. I was blown away by reading this stuff. It's wild. So Moses is just, he's a really good tackler. And the athleticism is obvious too. Really good tackler, really good blitzer. Coverage, he's like shades of Kenneth Murray is the only issue right now. Yes. Is that he's I just kind of like stuck. Sean Evans, Kenneth Murray as well. Stuck like. No head, not on a swivel head staring down the quarterback and just like losing guys is the unfortunate thing at the moment. Now that, that was him as a true sophomore playing in the sec, a little different. Uh, he'll be a redshirt junior, obviously this upcoming year. Uh, it needs a, he needs to improve on that to really get like that sort of top 15, top 20 buzz from us though. I mean, when he was wearing number 18 as a true freshman, they would have him line up in like pure edge defender hand in the ground. He was beating like senior offensive tackles with like legit pass rush moves. In 2018, there's a rep of him going against uh, Makai Becton on the right side and he dude beats the doors off him. Like, <laughs> like, like I am, I'm wowed by this guy's potential, but also like somewhat wary of like the injury obviously is scary. And then also just like, obviously he needs to get better in coverage and like how, how, you know, how valuable is that role for an off-ball linebacker to be very good against the run, good tackler, and rushes the passer well? Like, you need those guys to be good in coverage and all those things. But he is super athletic. I was just so, saying, I think there is still, like, a path, even if even if he never quite figures out coverage. There's a path to make have that guy be an impact player with how absolutely, athletic he is. Absolutely. And it just, like, it's the athleticism, man. We talk about it with at, off, at off-ball linebacker evaluation, like, every week, it feels like. But, like, you need athletes at that position. No longer 250-plus pound blue-collar types. You need guys that can move at off-ball linebacker. All right, let's jump to Chris Rumpf II, the Duke linebacker here uh, you have him going from line. he didn't play a ton of linebacker this past year you see him as more of an off-ball type in the next level 6'3 225 he's yeah. probably gonna have to get his hand off the ground so that's the thing i wish he could stay on the edge like i want him to have a josh allen-esque transformation this offseason and just be like Stack i'm gonna put on, on the weight. weight and and i think he could like he doesn't he really is thin when you look at him like his frame is wide like he has broad shoulders but then just doesn't have a ton of muscle but Pound for pound, this is the best pass rusher in the country right now. Like this guy does not lose. He gave gave it to Jedrick Wills and like the reps he goes against him. He gave it to literally every single sort of team he went up against last year. The guy is unblockable. He had the highest win, pass rushing win rate in the country. He is just very good with his hands. His dad is the outside linebackers coach at Tennessee. Oh, wow. So he was built to rush the passer. If he can just add some weight, this guy could be... And he's very athletic too. Like he has just a ton of pass rushing moves. And he actually bull rushed some tackles at only 225. Like he goes long arm on some guys. And I'm just like, what the hell is this? Like, how is this possible? You just don't see that. This guy is uh, exceptionally talented, but he just needs to get bigger if he's going to play off the edge. All right. Two more linebackers here. Nick Bolton of Missouri and then Nick Benito of Oklahoma. I know Bolton graded really well for us last year. 90.4 coverage grade and 91.1 overall grade with 11 total pressures, eight passes defense, two picks. Uh, had a really good game against West Virginia in week two of 2019. Uh, talk to me about Bolton and Benito. Yeah, Bolton's awesome. Bolton has uh, that sort of sixth sense for the position. Mm. Where it's just you see and know everything that's coming. Kind of like, God, the guy I fell in love with our first year we ever graded at PFF was the TCU linebacker. Oh, PJ, uh, PJ Dawson or something. Yeah, Dawson. Yeah. Paul he Dawson. was awesome. Paul Dawson was awesome. Can we, we just like, can yeah. we just align on that, please? <laughs> His tape was out of this world and just the way he saw the game. But he also ran 4-9. Uh, I don't think Nick Bolton, he's going to be a little more athletic than a 4-9. But just the way he sees the game is only a true sophomore last year. 89.8 run defense grade, 90.4 coverage grade. 
Uh, he's just all over the place. You're all over the field just seeing stuff. So I'm a big fan of his game. Then Benito last year, I remember watching uh, the, so he's an Oklahoma linebacker. I was watching the tape of Kenneth Murray and I'm like, Oh wow. This other guy is like a little better than him. And it was, and I was like, Oh, is he in the draft too? And it was uh, Nick Benito. And he, he was not in the draft, unfortunately, but I'm, I'm a fan of his game. He, he didn't play that much, only 420 snaps, but uh, he was a playmaker for that Oklahoma defense. So I, I think he's a name to watch here. All right, let's jump to cornerback here and start with our guy, Caleb Farley of Virginia Tech. This dude's tape. I remember we talked about on the pod. There's like a podcast clip from a while ago about Caleb Farley. Like this guy is awesome. I, I really, really do like the tape he put out in 2019. Yeah, so he's 6'2", 207, and reportedly ran a 4'3", 7 in high school, and like he looks fast on tape. Guys just don't get past him. Had a passer rating last year out loud of like 26. Oh, wow. He's, I, I, this guy's about to blow up, in my mind. I, I think he is. Now, he's not. He's far from perfect polished prospect by any means, but he's also uh, in a Virginia Tech scheme that's not going to be like Ohio State. So you're not going to look like a – not going to look like an NFL cornerback because you're not out there playing press man. He's doing a lot of off zone stuff, yeah. but he's also not losing down the football field when he does it. So uh, four picks last year, nine pass breakups, only 18 catches all season long. This guy is, uh, I feel confident that he's going to be a first rounder with his physical tools. All right. How about Sean Wade, the Ohio state corner uh, did, you know, has it played over 500 snaps over the past two years earned a 74.9 coverage grade this past year. Doesn't necessarily have an outstanding grading profile. What do you see on tape? So he played slot at Ohio state. He's, I don't think that's his best position. He played there just because they had, you know, two first round cornerbacks at the outside positions now. Uh, so he, I think he moves to the outside this year. He's that's where he, I think he plays at his best position in the NFL. Just like physically, that's where I think his skill set translates to. But there's a difference between you know having the physical tools and actually like going on the outside and performing. It's a different animal than playing the slot. We saw Minka Fitzpatrick try to do it and just didn't work out when he was with the uh, Dolphins. So uh, it's going to be a big year for him. He could you know he if he looks like you know the guys on the outside looked last year for Ohio State he's probably going to be another first rounder in their pipeline but if he doesn't you know if he struggles with that transition i could see him being more of a day 2 kind of guy can we talk about i mean that slot to outside corner transition and vice versa specifically Marlon Humphrey i know this is a little bit of a, a, a tangent here but like i was looking at Marlon Humphrey played at a very high level with the Baltimore Ravens playing over 500 snaps at outside corner in his first two years in the NFL and then they bring Marcus Peters and then they have him kick inside, and he played over 550 snaps at slot corner. And it's just a, such a different responsibility, such a different ask, and still graded out as a top 10 slot cornerback this year, according to PFF grades. Like, I'm super impressed by cornerbacks that can do both of those things, like either shadowing receivers into the slot or even going from outside corner to playing full time in the slot. Like, it's much easier said than done trying to make that transition, either vice versa. Yeah. Who is it? The. They they started asking, gosh, who was the guy who went from the Raiders to the Eagles back in the day? You mm. you would know who is the, Oh Namdi Asimov. Namdi Asimov, who they started asking him to like track receivers and it was just like nightmare. And yeah. he just could not do it. Like, Even go, with Darius Slay though. So Darius Slay over the past two years is is a top ten corner 
when lined up at outside cornerback, according to PFF grades. He's asked, he's been asked to shadow receivers into the slot a ton over the past two years, and it's been a different guy. Like, it's just it's different playing press man and one-on-one coverage concepts in the slot versus some of these shifty receivers. And, like, everyone says this, too, and I even just said it, shifty receivers in the slot. Michael Thomas plays 50% of his routes in the slot. Julio Jones plays a ton in the slot. Like, you have good receivers being used yeah. in the slot. Tyreek Hill all the time. Like, Keenan Allen. Like, so the slot receivers are not, like – lower receivers it's not like left tackle versus right tackle or any of that like i think it gets too often brought up like well maybe he can play in the slots like dude the slot cornerback position is hard it's not like uh if he's not that good at outside playing in the slots like no you actually have to be very very good to play in the slot because you're going to go against some really really talented wide receivers there so i don't know a little bit of a tangent there but jump to patrick patrick Sertain of alabama i liked I liked a lot of what I saw from Sertain this past year. I like watching Trayvon Diggs a lot, you know, watching uh, Xavier McKinney. I think Sertain's another one of those Bama defensive backs that I can get behind. His grade has improved in each of the past two years. He's played a ton of snaps in that defense in the SEC. Uh, what's your opinion of Sertain? Yeah, Bama had a couple pterodactyls out there at corner last Diggs year. Sertain, <laughs> another guy, 6'2", 203, just eats you at the line of scrimmage and, like, ends your rep right then. Now, I think he has a lot of the same concerns, though, as Trayvon Diggs. His, his, his long speed, he's not fa- like he's not particularly fast. I'd be surprised if he runs in the four fours. To me, he's probably in the four fives kind of guy when he comes out, which you can get by when you have that length, but it's just a little bit limiting. And so uh, he struggled more later in the season when he faced, you know, LSU, Auburn, Michigan teams with some better, faster wide receivers. So I think that will be something to watch this year. But again, only a true sophomore. Uh, and he's been starting since he was a true freshman at Alabama. So this guy's got he's got some skill to him as well. Yeah. All right. Jumping to Paulson Adebo of Stanford. This guy earned a very high grade for us in 2018, over 800 snaps played, 90.3 coverage grade, and then took a bit of a step back in 2019. I know you're not as high on Adebo as others were entering the season. I think you saw a lot of good reps and off coverage. You saw some of the ball skills in 2018, but some of the one-on-one reps you did see, he got beat a bit. Dude, he's just... He's he's a poor man's Bryce Hall, in my opinion, in that ball skills are exceptional. Like the ball's in the air and they're hip to hip. It's hip to hip with the wide receiver. It's I mean, it's like a 50 50 proposition. Which one of them's coming down with it? He's had eight picks over the last two years. He's got 24 pass breakups over the last two years. Like he is very good at the catch point. It's just that getting to the catch point part that's been difficult for him. He's just so clunky, like his feet are not great. Uh, there's a reason he came back to school and it's kind of, I think it's similar to the reason Bryce Hall came back to school. And it's just that I don't think, uh, that many, it's a guy who's just going to be scheme limited and, uh, again, not coveted super highly. And it's not like a sure thing in, in just that scheme itself. So I do think Debo is probably going to be like a third round or fourth rounder, unless something really changes this upcoming season. Two more Pac-12 guys to touch on. Elijah Molden, a guy who played a ton in the slot for Washington this past year, had some good ball production, passes, defense, et cetera. And then Diamador Lenoir, uh, bump and run, I think is his Twitter handle. He's he's fun to watch. I'll say that. Uh, what, what, he's Yeah, definitely that. Uh, what can you say about these two guys? Yeah, so Molden's super quick. And he's a guy who plays in the slot now. And then I think it's like you just keep him in the slot. And you're fine by saying, hey, that's all we want from you. Maybe even move to safety, but he's 5'10", 190. But he's really good there, really good at the catch point. 10 pass breakups this past year, four picks, uh, really shifty. Like, I think that that's obviously not a skill that's coveted. We saw, what, Josiah Scott has a similar skill set going in the fourth round, very good player 
or Meek Robertson fourth round. That's kind of where those guys come off the board. But I think he's another guy in that mold where you get him in the fourth round, you can be really happy about it because you got a, a guy who's going to add to your coverage defense at a position that not a lot of other people are coveting, but we think it's very valuable. So I like Molden's game in that regard. Lenoir, you see I, some really good breaks on the ball from Molden, yeah. like in off coverage, playing off coverage from the slot. You see him jump in front of passes that others can't do, like physically just can't do. And then Lenoir, uh, I just think he's athletically limited. He has all the other stuff that you like about the position. I just think he's not going to be a high-end athlete. And then at that point, you're kind of behind the eight ball. And I think that's, again, another reason why he came back to school. He was probably got a somewhere in like a fourth round grade from the NFL, I would imagine. So I, I just don't think the athleticism is quite there, even though I like the rest of his game a lot. All right. TJ Carter of Memphis and Eric Stokes Jr. of Georgia. Let's start with Stokes. I, I really like Stokes. I mean, he's got a track background. You see some of that speed. I will say Georgia coaches him up well. The dude leans on, leans on contact, yeah. leans on contact down the football field. And like that's hard to get over a lot of the times on his tape. But like, and I don't know how how easy that is to coach out of cornerbacks you know like like not getting physical or overly physical you know deep down the football field when you're beat like you see that on his tape but I do think he has above average movement skills for the cornerback position and it's like he leaned on those a bit more rather than like the hands and the grabbiness I, I think he could be a productive player yeah so he's he's so he's very physical but I don't think that's I, I the reason I was worried about him if he did come out last year is that he's physical but doesn't have the sort of physicality to play in the NFL with that game in the NFL, like he's skinny still. And he would get thrown around if he tried to get physical with NFL receivers. And so like, that's the best sort of aspect of his game, but then the best aspect of his game, I don't see translating to the NFL. So he's going to have to show us a little something different, a little sort of different stylistically style of play this year at Georgia. Uh, TJ Carter at the Memphis corner is the interesting one here to me. One of my favorite sleepers in this class, because he could fly and he's been starting since he was a true freshman there, earned an 84.1 grades, true freshman, 70.4 back in 2018. This past year, they just like stopped targeting him. Only 41 targets all year long uh, after having 93 the year before, only 237 yards allowed. Like he just is very stingy down the football field. Didn't allow a catch longer than 30 yards all year long. So he's uh, a name to watch there for Memphis. I mean, he was a name to watch last year. I remember yeah. bringing him up to you last year saying like, hey, have you watched the Memphis guy? And then like, I feel like we see a lot at the college level, guys that play well, and then the year following, you see like legit offenses are coached not to throw in their direction. Guys like Bryce Hall, TJ Carter. I mean, yeah. I, they, they, you see that more often than I think you see that in the NFL. I think highlighting that, hey, this guy's actually really good and the other guy isn't is 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 maybe part of offensive game plans at the college level more than we think. Um, jumping to safety. In addition to Diamador Lenoir, Oregon has this guy, Javon Holland, who is another like in this Oregon secondary is another guy that is like legit awesome to watch. Yeah, he's such a playmaker. I mean, he has nine picks in two years now as a freshman and sophomore, 11 pass breakups in two years. He's just, he sees another guy who just sees the game and reacts at a high level. I'm not sure he's the sort of freak athlete you're going to draft in the, you know, in the top 10. I, I don't think he's quite there in terms of athleticism, but like Jamal Adams actually ended up going top 10 without, I'd say, high end testing athleticism. So, We'll see, but I, I do think he's still a first-round talent, this guy, Javon Holland. He's just, with what he brings to the table from that perspective, from coverage perspective, and being able to make plays in the balls at 
six one, about two hundred pounds. I, I think he's what you want at safety. I want to jump to the TCU guys, uh, Trayvon Morrig and Darius Washington. Of all players with at least two hundred coverage snaps this past year, both of those they were first and second in PFF coverage rate among all college football players in the FBS. Like they graded at such a high level on the back end of TCU. A lot of that is they were able to make plays against pass heavy teams in the Big Twelve. But still, both of these guys surprisingly like graded at a super high level. So it's kind of hilarious. They, they both grade at extremely high level. They're two vastly different ways of getting it done. Ardarius Washington is 5'8", 175. Mm. Trayvon Morig is 6'2", 210. They're like, could not be more opposite at safety, but they're both, Morig definitely obviously the more physical one, but Ardarius Washington, like the breaks he has on some balls are just, he can change directions. You talk about like smooth hips. His are as smooth as it gets at safety position. The guy can just like go any direction and not lose any speed at any point in time. So while the size is going to be obviously a limiting factor and teams aren't necessarily going to covet that highly, I I want this guy on my football team the way he plays. All right, last two guys we're going to talk on, talk about here. Paris Ford of Pitt and then Eric Burrell, Wisconsin. Uh, of those two, who's your favorite and why? So Paris Ford is probably my favorite of the two. Although Eric Burrell is worth highlighting because he graded out really well last year coverage grade over 90 he makes some plays underneath in coverage in terms of his quickness he's he's more quicker than fast like the guy he's probably going to run like a four six at safety position but might have that sort of who is the washington safety why am i just awful with names a taylor rap you might have that taylor rap sort of athletic profile where it's like bad 40 ridiculous change of direction you know sub four shuttle sub seven three come so that's that's eric burrell and he makes some nice he made some nice plays actually also as a blitzer this past season for wisconsin Ford's just a really physical guy now he missed a lot of tackles last year 32 tackles he missed last year or 21 tackles he missed last year excuse me that's a lot but he just flies around the football field only six foot 190 but plays with that sort of recklessness that almost reminiscent of Darnell Savage, where he's just like, the, he's going to throw his body on the line. He's going to come at you 100 miles an hour. Uh, what are you going to do about it? He does that play after play. Yep. Uh, I, I feel like it's something I want to mention with, you know, highlighting players to watch in 2020 for, for 2021 for the 2021 NFL draft. Something that I remember doing last year, in addition to like, I think a big first step and something that we've kind of done here at PFF is look at guys that graded really well this past year. You know, Chris Rumpf was the third highest graded defender in all of college football last year. Quincy Roche right behind him. Like look and Tav- Trayvon Morig right there at seventh. Mm. Like looking at these guys that grade really well. I, I, I think the next step that I took, I remember last year was looking at, highly rated recruits of the like the upcoming year of the upcoming like draft eligible year and that's how like Jeffrey Akuda who earned just a 71.1 coverage grade in 2018 I mean had some impressive reps on tape you look at him he's former five star you see some of it you're like okay this is a breakout guy like Christian Barmore is another one of those types like you look at these like Dylan Moses like former five stars that maybe didn't grade super well this past year but are going to finally have opportunity at big blue blood programs like that's where players to watch start to also pop up as well. I know that's going to be part of my process as we continue to move forward for sure. I think also looking, so obviously we grade every play and between the scale being minus two to positive two, the guys that can rack up the high level plays are, are ones to look at. If 
you know, the guys who can make the plus ones and the plus 1.5s, like make the difference making plays are the guys who are usually the top prospects uh, or developing into the top prospects. So the sophomores that make those sort of plays, but then they also maybe have a lot of negatives on their tape or whatever that brings their grade down, but not a lot of guys are capable of that high end play. And the ones that are usually are the ones that are the draft prospects. Yeah. I mean, you're looking at, so look, looking at the 2018 recruiting class current to 24 seven, you got Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, one and two. And then you're looking at Xavier Thomas, the guy we mentioned that hasn't really graded well, wasn't getting a, a great opportunity this past year at Clemson because of the defensive scheme change, but he was the fourth best recruit in the country. So you're looking at this guy having that star level athleticism, Micah Parsons there at five. And then there's some names here, like Amaran St. Brown that we didn't, we mentioned, I think on the offensive side, certain at 11, like I'm going to look through these and look at guys that, maybe didn't have opportunities yet transfer those things and you're going to start to see like these guys kind of pop off is how i would how i would put it so i'm super excited for 2021 man we got some guys that graded really well that are entering good big years for them and also some more you know highly athletic dudes to take a look at mike anything else to add before we jump off no i'm draft guide will be coming in yes August let's talk about with... that i mean 2021 draft guide is going to be 100 players two plays two page player profiles for every single one. A lot of the guys we mentioned in, you know, the past two podcasts will be in that guide and we're going to have 2018 and 2019 advanced data and grades for these players. We're going to have back, no, not background information, but some background analysis from a data perspective and a bunch of good content uh, projected round where they need to improve. Uh, I, I'm super excited for this thing. We're going to try to put more on the website though, so that it's not yeah. a massive PDF for you guys. <laughs> So a lot of a lot of the content that will be in the draft guide that's downloadable for those old school guys who like to print it out and put it in a Dave Gettleman binder will be there for Edge and Elite subscribers. But also we're going to have using the interactive draft board, we're going to have a stats export that I think will be super valuable for the guys who like to dig through Excel. So there's going to be a lot of good stuff there um, on the website come August. Super excited about this class. Super excited about this season that is happening. I'm speaking it into freaking existence, <laughs> Mike. I, I can't help it. I can't help it. Um, anyway, that's going to do it, guys. Thanks for listening to uh, – Two for One Drafts. Um, Thanks again. Austin Gale, Mike Renner, Two for One Drafts.